Welcome, I'm Carolyn Cooper, and this is the Mental Health and Faith A Closer Look podcast and YouTube program. Here I want to offer you encouragement for life in this complicated world on topics around mental illness, our recovery journey, faith and spirituality, and lots of other topics related to mental health and wellness. But I want to remind you that this is not a replacement for getting help from a mental health professional. And if you find yourself in a crisis, in the United States, you can call or text the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988. I also have other helplines in the show notes and on my website. Now sit back and enjoy the show. This week on the Mental Health and Faith podcast, I am doing things a little bit differently. I am continuing a Bible study on the events around Easter. I will be reading from the New Living Translation again, and I do want to invite you to come back next week after Easter for a final lesson on the Easter events. Last week, we talked about Palm Sunday, and we identified three different groups of people who happened to be there for that celebration. First were the believers, the ones who recognized that Jesus Christ, this man, this humble man riding on the donkey into Jerusalem, he was the Messiah. They had seen his miracles, they'd heard his teaching, and they knew that he was the promised king. But another group that was watching were really just curious. They'd heard the stories. They've heard about this man who was healing people. In fact, they had heard that Jesus had raised a man, Lazarus, from the dead. He called Lazarus out of the tomb. Now, could that really have happened? These people may have been a little skeptical, but they just wanted to get a look at this guy and see if there was anything to the stories. The third group of people were the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the people who guided the Jewish nation to understand how to implement the laws, how to follow the rules and regulations for the Jewish society. Last week I mentioned that in some ways I can sympathize with the teachers. I really do believe that some of them were simply trying to be obedient to God's word and to make sure that no one was coming to lead the people astray. But I do have to say there is evidence in Scripture that that at least some of the Pharisees and, and the teachers probably knew Jesus was the Messiah. They just weren't ready for him yet. As an example, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 11, verses 15 through 18, and this happened sometime during Holy Week. It could have just been the day after Palm Sunday, but sometime in that week, Jesus and his disciples had gone to Bethany to visit some friends, and they are coming back to Jerusalem. So this is starting verse 15. They came to Jerusalem, and he went into the temple complex and began to throw out those buying and selling in the temple. He overturned the money changers, tables, and the chairs of those selling doves, and would not permit anyone to carry goods through the temple complex. Then he began to teach them, Is it not written, My house will be called a house of prayer for all nations? But you have made it a den of thieves. Then the chief priests and the scribes heard it and started looking for a way to destroy him, for they were afraid of him 
because the whole crowd was astonished by his teaching. Jesus, Jesus' teachings were all from Scripture, perfectly interpreted. And there must have been some priests and scribes who connected all the dots about Jesus and knew that this man was speaking God's truth. This man, if they didn't know for sure, they must have had some thoughts that he could be the Messiah, yet they still were willing to destroy him because the crowd was astonished by his teaching. What would happen to the Pharisees and the teachers if the Messiah came and reigned on earth? They would be out of a job, right? Maybe that was some of their thinking. We don't know. God has not revealed every single detail. We don't know the minds and the hearts of the priests and the scribes. What we know from God's word is that there was a plot to crucify Jesus. And that plot was getting ready to unfold. I'm going to stay in the Gospel of Mark for the next part of our lesson. This is Mark chapter 14, verse 1. It was now two days before Passover and the festival of unleavened bread. The leading priests and the teachers of religious law were still looking for an opportunity to capture Jesus secretly and kill him. But not during the Passover celebration, they agreed, or the people may riot. Now skipping down to verse 10. Then Judas Iscariot one of the twelve disciples, went to the leading priests to arrange to betray Jesus to them. They were delighted when they heard why he had come, and they promised to give him money. So he began looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, Jesus' disciples asked him, Where do you want us to go to prepare the Passover meal for you? So Jesus sent two of them into Jerusalem with these instructions. As you go into the city, a man carrying a pitcher of water will meet you. Follow him. At the house he enters, say to the owner, The teacher asks, Where's the guest room where I can eat the Passover meal with my disciples? He will take you upstairs to a large room that is already set up. That is where you should prepare the meal. So the two disciples went into the city and found everything just as Jesus had said and they prepared the Passover meal there. In the evening, Jesus arrived with the twelve. As they were at the table eating, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, one of you eating with me here will betray me. Greatly distressed, each one asked in turn, Am I the one? He replied, It is one of you twelve who is eating from this bowl with me. For the Son of Man must die, just as the scriptures declared long ago. But how terrible it will be for the one who betrays me. It would be far better for that man if he had never been born. It's a sad story. Jesus knew one of the disciples would betray him. And as we read in some of the other Gospels, we know that it is Judas. In fact, I will quickly read Matthew 26, verse 25 says, Judas, the one who would betray him, also asked, Rabbi, am I the one? And Jesus told him, you have said it. They knew who the guilty party was going to be. But there was still no stopping it. 
The plan was unfolding. God's plan was unfolding. That's important to remember. God's plan for Jesus to play the part of the sacrificial lamb. Just like the lamb who died at Passover so the Jewish people could live and be free from captivity. I'm going to read one more passage of scripture from the Gospel of Mark, still in chapter 14. They went to the olive grove called Gethsemane. That's Jesus and his disciples. And Jesus said, sit here while I go and pray. He took Peter, James, and John with him, and he became deeply troubled and distressed. He told them, my soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. He went on a little further and fell to the ground. He prayed that, if it were possible, the awful hour awaiting him might pass him by. Abba, Father, and that word Abba is like saying Daddy. So Jesus is crying out to his Daddy here. Abba, Father, he cried out. Everything is possible for you. Please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then he returned and found the disciples asleep. He said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Couldn't you watch with me even one hour? Keep watch and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the, bo but the body is weak. Then Jesus left them again and prayed the same prayer as before. When he returned to them again, he found them sleeping, for they couldn't keep their eyes open, and they didn't know what to say. When he returned to them the third time, he said, Go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But no, the time has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Up, let's be going. Look, my betrayer has arrived. And immediately, even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests, the teachers of religious law, and the elders. The traitor Judas had given them a prearranged signal. You will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. Then you can take him away under guard. As soon as they arrived, Judas walked up to Jesus. Rabbi, he exclaimed, and gave him the kiss. Then the others grabbed Jesus and arrested him. That was Mark 14, verses 32 through 46. You probably know the rest of the story. All the events that unfolded on that Thursday night and Friday morning led to Jesus being nailed to the cross for our sin. He did sacrifice himself for us. And what a beautiful show of love. I'd like to end our time together today by sharing something personal. I have a music education degree, and I always dreamed of being a band director. That didn't work out for me, but that's okay. God had other plans. And one of those plans was for me to be heavily involved in music ministry. I've directed adult and children's choirs, handbells, an orchestra. I even composed and directed three, three different Christmas 
children's Christmas musicals, and I have done lots and lots of things in music ministry before God pulled me away from music into mental health ministry. But there is one area of music where I am very weak, and that is my voice. I'm not really a vocalist. I'm more of an instrumentalist. And I've always been sensitive about my voice. Well, as I have gotten older, and I don't know if it was having all my children or taking medication or the environment, I don't know what it is, but over the years, my voice has increasingly gotten worse. And I am pretty self-conscious about singing where people could hear me. Now, I belt it out in worship because we are to sing and make a joyful noise to the Lord. And I don't ever want anyone to feel like they shouldn't be able to do that, even if their voice isn't quite, you know, the professional uh, soloist kind of voice. We are called, we are instructed to make a joyful noise to the Lord, to sing his praises. So God has really moved in my heart to set an example as someone who does not have a soloist voice to share a song that I wrote specifically bridging the gap between Palm Sunday and Good Friday. And I'm going to share that with you now. So I hope you will listen to the words. Let the message of the words sink into you. So be encouraged whenever you sing, because God is not listening to your voice. He's listening to your heart. This is I Lay My Palm Branch Down. From a joyful celebration To a lonely night of pain The time had come You chose to face the cross So we would see just who you are And why you had to go so far you sacrificed it all to save the lost. I will lay my palm branch down. You set aside your crown to show your love. You would pay the highest cost. So I But you gently call my name I'll lay my palm branch down At the foot of the cross When the crowd had gone away and there was nothing left to say. On the hill there stood a lonely empty cross. Soon the world would know your plan. Soon you'd live and breathe again. You sacrificed it all 
to save the lost. I will lay my palm branch down. You set aside your crown to show your love. You paid the highest cost. I used to bow my head in shame, but you gently called my name. I'll lay my palm branch down at the foot of the cross. I'll down at the foot of the I hope you enjoyed today's episode and please send me your comments, questions, and even suggestions to carolyn at ingodscorner.org That's C-A-R-O-L-I-N-E at ingodscorner.org 